0: It's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to PillowCube.com and getting one for yourself
1: and only available at one place in the market you don't need to do that much marketing you know like when when we first launched um, our movie which is kind of our our that was a inflection point you know we we sold just a ton of these things in the company it was eight people at the time we didn't do anything as far as marketing goes but we did create a product that the world hadn't seen before and it, the marketing just happened it was just it was like you know,
0: I hope we have a product at some point that gives me the feeling that
1: that one did again, because that was just incredible.
0: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Tab Furchow. Tab, I was excited to have you on the show because I am really interested in some of the new things you guys are inventing over at FreeFly. So can you tell people what the company is? And then we'll start talking about some of the stuff you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're a company that focuses on drones and cinema products with a a heavy bent towards robotics. So just a kind of quick one minute background. I started off working in the film industry, flying remote control helicopters with cameras attached to them. That was my originally my hobby, my passion, and it turned into my business. And then it escalated even further to where we were developing these systems and then selling them. So I really started off as a cameraman who just wanted to fly cameras and ended up building this company over the last decade with other co-founders and the whole team here. So we've, we've, we've just enjoyed innovating in the cinematography space so far, and we're starting to branch out a little bit
0: now. Very cool. So let's talk about what the main products are, and then and then I want there's one I want to start on more of a deeper dive. Yeah, great. So we're most known for
1: inventing the handheld uh, brushless stabilizer. So this is a technology that we released about 2013, and it changed the way a lot of films and movies are made. Prior to that, people used Steadicam, which was a big kind of a passive stability system for cameras, and we invented. A digital system that actually uses brushless motors and sensors, mainly from innovations in the cell phone industry, to allow people to get more dynamic and smoother shots with less skill. And that's really, that was our big kind of leverage point as far as products go. The the original Movi that we launched And then from then, from then, from there, we've branched out into drones. And then we've just released our first camera, which I think you're excited about, which is a high speed camera. And yeah, in the future, you know, we're just trying to continue growing the company's skills and abilities to innovate. I'm hopeful that we have people flying on our drones someday, but we're not quite there yet. We're taking it slow and and building incrementally.
0: Very cool. Well, I, you know, our listeners know that I'm an art school dropout, that I'm an audiobook nerd, that I spent most of my career in finance. But what they probably don't know is that really all of that is about the movies. Okay. I was going to art school so that I could be a concept illustrator for the movies. I had this mentor from LA who, you know, he'd drawn like stuff for Men in Black or The Fifth Element or all the Batman, you know, all these movies I thought were cool. And he's like, here's the yeah. deal. Go to Art Center in Pasadena and then you can get into drawing for the movies. Here's how you do it. And my, my mentor, who is now a business partner, owns this commercial real estate fund with me and, and other stuff over the last 20 years. He One day he said to me, you realize if you got rich enough, you could just make movies about whatever you want, Jess. And then you could draw pictures for your movies instead of other people's, right? So currently on the 20-year plan of getting rich enough to make my own movies, okay? And uh, and I got my first sales job 25 years ago, and about 10 years ago, I realized if I got better at marketing, I wouldn't have to sell so much. So I've been like pounding the marketing (laughs) books, taking courses, and... And really, like, I see the advantage of people take content marketing to the next level of like, you know, a Red Bull or a Bloomberg, where it's not just regular content marketing, it's actually profitable, right? Yeah. So, like, my my brother and my partner and I, we bought a RED camera, we really tried to invest in that world, and, you know, we're building this company for that reason. And about 10 years ago, I had, I had the two of them, like, right on the edge of letting me spend 120 grand on a Phantom Flex 4K. Because nice. I wanted to make our own version of the Slow Mo Guys YouTube channel, you know, yeah, which I still think great. was a mistake, and we should have done it. We could have had ten years of library going. But um, what's fascinating is the way that price points and technology and things are changing. Can you can you talk about this high speed camera?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so the high-speed camera was initially developed by one of the early technical members of Freefly. He had left Freefly and had moved back to the East Coast to be closer to family and friends. And uh, he was consulting for us part time and still helping us grow the business. But in the in his spare time, he developed this camera. And you know, I was staying in touch with him, and I just happened to be you say, you know, hey, what are you working on on the side right now? What's your side project? And he told me he's working on a high-speed camera that could record continuously for an unlimited amount of time and immediately when i heard that i thought that's uh that's something that the world's never seen before like you could do really amazing things with that so i begged him if i could demo one of the first five prototypes that he that he built and i loved it and it was amazing and you know it was rough around the edges and needed some work and so i said hey can freefly invest in this company and we'll help you bring this product to market it's just perfect for our user base and our portfolio and so we invested in the company and later ended up acquiring it completely. But we, you know, we worked together and we brought it to, la- brought it to launch on a really tight timeline from, from the first email that I had with him kind of on this subject to the camera shipping was about six months. So just I love I love these periods of intense innovation and creation. And that that was exactly like it was back in the day with the guy's name is Shane, with Shane on the Movie or the original Movie launch. So it's 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 basically that part of product development is what I live for. I just love it. The idea that you get to bring something that the world hasn't seen that enables creative people to do something new is just it's the most exciting thing. I mean, that's why that's why I became obsessed with this industry.
0: So so give us some some of the specs on it.
1: Yeah, so the the, the really interesting thing about it is uh, the price point is low. It's around $10,000 depending on which package you get, but the the really cool thing is it's 4K and it'll record 420 fps for basically an unlimited time. Your record time is only limited by the size of the SSD that's inside. So right now we can do it. We can record 420 FPS at for 30 minutes. So we're just starting to see people take advantage of this. And I just got to see some Red Bull con- content marketing that's going to come out soon that was just insane. They're they're flying it on an FPV FPV drone and doing these long shots and then speed ramping between things. And so it's, it's kind of a whole new dimension of filmmaking because... Historically, you haven't been able to record for this long when you're shooting high frame rates. You usually have a pretty small RAM buffer and you have to be really targeted in your acquisition. And so now people can be much you know, you can just use it like a regular video camera, but you're shooting these crazy high frame rates. so
0: and so for for people who don't spend time endlessly watching YouTube videos to compare high speed cameras like me, okay, yeah, let's break this down for a little. Bit. So this frame rate, you know, most people probably don't know what an average frame rate is. Can you compare yeah. that? And then we also talk about the max frame rates you can do.
1: Yeah yeah so normal frame rate when you're watching a film is 24 frames a second so let's say you slowed it down 10 times so you'd be shooting 240 frames a second if you slowed it down 20 times you'd be shooting 480 frames a second so you really are observing the world in a new dimension when you start to slow it down like this you see things that you wouldn't otherwise see and that's the power of high-speed videography and cinematography and that's what i really like is you can you know, when I first started shooting with this camera, I'd go out and I'd shoot things that I thought, oh, that's not going to look good. That's pretty mundane. The lighting's not good. And then you would go back and look at it and it's like, well, this is, you know, when you are seeing things at 4, or 400 to 10,000 FPS, you're seeing it in a completely new way. So we also built a mode into the camera where you can narrow the shot a little bit and then you can get even more, even higher frame rates. So if you want to shoot a smaller and small, smaller sliver of the screen, you can shoot all the way up to 10,000 FPS. And that's been extraordinarily useful for our internal teams and other teams for developing drones and gimbals because we can actually shoot the drone in flight and analyze vibrations and the the type of resonant frequencies that we're seeing. And so it's been, you know, it's been a really fun tool to add to our arsenal, both on the creative side and on the scientific side.
0: Yeah. When you think about being able to shoot something at 10,000 frames per second and you think about just things nobody considered before, right, that a lot of people can understand that. But again, you know, my reference point is, you know, cameras that are at least in the tens of thousands, if not 100,000 plus, right? Can you help, Can you help? You know, without sharing the magic sauce, can you help understand people understand what you guys have done so differently to be able to, you know, offer a capability that usually costs 10 times that price tag?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, for some of it, we're riding a wave, which is reduction in pricing of components that perform to just astounding levels. So that's a wave that we're always riding. So, you know, the march of technology delivers us better sensors, you know, better, better chips, better everything. But then I think the other thing that we kind of have as a superpower as a company is we're really, we're okay taking a very firm stance on what a product should be and what a product shouldn't be. And I would say with the wave, we have a lot of people who really love the camera and think it adds a lot of value to, to their life. And then we have some where said, hey, this is not what I need. I actually need something that has this feature, this feature, this feature, and all these features that we didn't develop in it. So I would say we took a stance to just keep it really simple and get it out on the market fast. And we knew that, you know, some people were going to be really happy with it and love it. And other people, it just wasn't going to work for them. And we were pretty transparent about that when we launched it. I spent a lot of time telling people that they shouldn't buy the camera and all the reasons why they shouldn't buy
0: it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. I think about, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. This probably isn't a deeply philosophical question, but why do you think that slow motion video is such an attention grabber? Why do you think it's like oddly satisfying to sit there and watch really boring things done in slow mo? Ooh, I mean, I don't know if
1: I'm, uh, I can I can just throw out some ideas, but I think f- from an evolutionary perspective, we've just watched everything in the world at our normal frame rate. And so I think the thing, you know, the frame rate of our eyes and our brains. So when, I mean, I would say my overall observation of cinematography in the, in the creative industry trends for the last, since I've been in it, last 20 years, let's say, is anytime you can come up with anything that's novel, it will grab eyeballs and thus it's extraordinarily effective for marketing. So like when i first started back in the drone industry no one had ever seen the perspectives that drone could drones could get and so it was the same type of thing people were really really obsessed with those perspectives and i think the 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 amount of things that have been filmed in slow motion is still relatively low and people haven't seen a lot of it so i think it's just a scarcity thing it's just a, a supply and demand and yeah i think the the other thing is you can make things that are boring or poorly lit or like you know all kinds of things you can make them look extraordinary in slow motion. So I think if you, if you learn how to use a tool as a filmmaker, there's a ton of leverage there. Like my business partner, Hugh, he just cruises around with his wave all the time and shoots, you know, he just shoots stuff throughout his life. And he, I would go and watch his, his reels sometimes. And they're just incredible. You know, it's like just normal everyday stuff. And it looks amazing.
0: Yeah. It's almost like there's that novelty factor of like, oh, I've never seen this before. Pay attention. Try. Where does this fit in my brain? Right. But it's almost like there's learning too. Like, you know how learning can be a high, right? Like there's this, there's this like, oh, I figured that out, right? Think about how often like we find out something amazing. So we like, we text our friend, we call our spouse, we, you know, we just need to share that we learned something, right? Yeah. And seeing things slower and being able to recognize something we've never recognized. I wonder if there's that, like, in addition to the novelty, there's that learning high.
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think you you kind of made me think of another thing. It's it slows down, like at least in when you know when we're using the wave for scientific stuff, it's slowing down physics essentially, and it's allowing you know, my tiny little brain to process what's happening at 20 times slower than real time. So I can actually, I can actually see what the blade of a drone is doing in flight. And I can, I can start to understand something in a more intuitive way that was like abstract and unseen before. So I think there's some of that too, you know, like, like watching a hummingbird hover and drink out of the hummingbird feeder or a, or a bumblebee cruise around. I mean, I think it is, you do get to you understand things better for sure. And I have a lot of those like moments where I go, Oh, that's how they do that. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm interested, you know, your products have, have obviously had a major impact on, on the film world and, the world has just got more and more into video as, as YouTube and Vimeo and these things have democratized a lot of it, right? How do you balance the decisions of defending patents versus inventing more of the future when, you know, there's so many big guys that want to copy you and, you know, people see what you've made possible and want to rip you off, things like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, my stance is the only solution that for that in the long time scale is to out innovate the marketplace. I think any other strategy is a tough one to defend unless you have a you're a huge company with a huge legal team. And I would also say the people that we select for at FreeFly, so we try and find people that can substantially out innovate the market. Those people also don't want to be working on patent defense all day. They want to be inventing things the world hasn't seen. So there's you know, I, I, I've never been at a, you know, Freefly is the biggest company I've ever been a part of. So I haven't seen, you know, patent enforcement at scale, uh, like Samsung or Apple or something like that. But it's definitely not, you know, for, for our company DNA, it's not, it's not how we spend our time. I don't enjoy it. I don't, yeah, it's not, I, I would say, let's just focus on innovation.
0: Yeah. When you think about recruiting those people, what are some of the things that have worked in the past?
1: I mean, we, we look for people that have hard examples of achieving something extraordinary. So I'll take somebody with an impressive YouTube a channel over somebody from Stanford, Harvard, MIT any day. Like I need, I need proof that you can take a wild idea in your head and turn it into a physical flying machine. And I want proof that you enjoyed that process because that process is hard and It's hard and it can also be fun if you do it with the right people, if you do it with people that enjoy it. I mean, it's a creating hardware products at the level that we create hardware products is a it's a substantial challenge. And so you got to have people with the right attitude that aren't afraid to... There's definitely parts of programs where it's just a lot of work. Like you're just going to work your ass off to figure out solutions and reduce entropy. So, you know, I, I select for those two things. I want I want good attitudes. I want, you know, people that don't view the world as a zero-sum game. I want people that aren't afraid to experiment and fail. And then, you know, people that love, what, love this uh, domain.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing it's got to be rewarding as well to see like major movies or TV shows or or folks like that actually using something that you guys invented.
1: Oh, it's incredible. I mean, I was watching just last week, I was watching an Apple TV, I think it's called Mosquito Coast or something like that with my wife. And I, I was remarking that it was like, wow, that was an incredible aerial shot. It was like a really long one line, uh, one take. And so I went and searched online real quick and it turns out one of our customers did the shot with our products and I was like communicating back and forth with them in a few minutes and they were telling me about the shot. And it's like, you know, that's just, it's so cool. It's so cool to see, you know, to see a shot and then you are like, oh yeah, they use that and we get, uh, I mean, that's a lot of what makes this job and this industry so exciting for me is you're, you're one step away from powering. You know, Apple TV, Netflix, Prime Video, like Marvelous Miss Maisel has used all of our products for their most complex and technical shots, too. And it's like, you know, it's, it makes you so proud when you see that.
0: That's yeah, so fun. Well, tell me about this, this idea of bringing on the right kind of talent, right? So one, there's finding them, right? So, yeah. you know, we need we need to see evidence. How, how else, you know, besides searching YouTube, how else do you guys scour the world for the right kind of people?
1: yeah. I don't know if we have a like a detailed system. I would say everybody's on the lookout constantly for people that are doing impressive things. We we try and I mean I tr- we really do try and look for people that are building impressive things and then hire them and then we also we also try and be pretty clear and articulate on our website about the tri- the, ty- the type of company that we're trying to build and the type of place we're trying to build so that, you know, we get, I would say we get probably 50% of the people that come to Freefly, you know, seek us out and they're like, Hey, I, I love what the, I love what you guys are doing. I love the place you're building. I want to be a part of it. And then 50% of of the, the people that join the team, I would say, is, is us hunting down extraordinary people and saying, hey, we think we think you're pretty awesome. And we've built a framework that we think you would be successful in.
0: Yeah. So that was my next part of like, so A, there's finding them and then there's B, getting them to want you. What do you think has been your secret weapon? What do you think has made it so attractive to have people who, you know, probably have options, right? If you want them, they're probably the kind of people that could go elsewhere, right? What do you feel like has been effective at getting them to want to choose you?
1: Yeah, I would say the thing that differentiates us is our product cadence is very fast. And so if you want to get experience launching products at scale, this is a great place to do it. And our our level of responsibility and autonomy is also extraordinarily high. So for people, you know, some people really enjoy that. Like I, I can't imagine working for something where I wasn't completely autonomous. Like I'm the kind of person, I need to know what my goals are for this quarter and i need to know what the cons- what constraints i face and then i need to be left alone to go achieve that and then i would like to i'd like to be judged on you know whether or not i achieve those things and i think there's a lot of people that that want that opportunity and so we've selected for you know we've selected for people like that for sure
0: yeah. So, you got any openings right now? Who are you looking for today? What kind, what kind of positions are you looking for?
1: Yeah, I mean, the wave team, wave team has openings, machine learning, computational photography, videography, our drone team is growing really, really fast. So, if you're if you're interested in any domain within drones, I would say we have openings for any of them. So, if you're interested in motor control, if you're interested in motor design, if you're in, interested in flight controls, if you're interested in app design, ground control design, mechanical design, we're, we're hanging on for dear life. There's been a lot of, you know, there's a lot of geopolitical stuff going on that is creating some intense tailwinds for us drone manufacturers. There's kind of a, a real strong push towards, you know, supporting us drone manufacturers. And we're, we're, we're kind of caught in that and trying to keep up as best we can.
0: Yeah. What do you, what do you mean by that? Like just because there's been so much coming out of China and elsewhere or what?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's a tough, it's a big, it's a big problem statement to really pick apart and understand. But I would say for for whatever reason, there's definitely a strong sentiment against foreign drones in the United States right now. And, you know, I think it's it's great for the US drone industry. We have some, you know, some of the competitors from different parts in the world are doing extraordinary things. And, you know, we need to, we need to put the, put the pedal to the metal to keep up for sure.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Well, setting the technical side, the technical side aside, (laughs) tell me, tell me about growing a business when you come at it from so such a technical angle and, and it is so much work to actually make something function. And then you got to keep like, I don't know. I oversimplify business this way. It's like half, have something awesome. Second half, get people to want it from us. Yeah. How do you approach the second half?
1: Yeah, we, we honestly have focused almost entirely on the product side and then we've let sales and marketing fall where they may. And I, th- I would say we've done so we've we've we're coming up on our 10 year reunion as a business. And I'll just kind of give you the things that I think are interesting about us. So we're entirely self-funded. We've never taken any outside funding. So we've bootstrapped a hardware business from scratch, which is is relatively rare. And I think, you know, we have just really focused on making sure that our moat is that our products are fantastic. And I would say we're way less good at marketing and sales than we should be. And I want to get better at that in the future. But I would say if you can only be good at one thing, I would choose to be good at product because if you're good at product and you have something that's truly differentiated, and only available at one place in the market you don't need to do that much marketing you know like when when we first launched um, our movie which is kind of our our that was a inflection point you know we we sold just a ton of these things and the company was eight people at the time we didn't do anything as far as marketing goes, but we did create a product that the world hadn't seen before and the marketing just happened. It was just, it was like, you know, I hope we have a product at some point that gives me the feeling that that one did again, because that was just incredible.
0: Well, what's funny is I'm, you know, I'm not in the movie industry yet, but I do track and I have, you know, friends who own marketing agencies and stuff. And that movie showed up everywhere. Yeah. I mean, like it was just a, it was just a clearly superior product. And, you know, like I'm looking down your list of, of movies and stuff that you got, your products have been used in, you know, Deadpool and Black Panther and these big movies or all sorts of ones. But to me, when I probably be most envious to actually go visit, be like, can I, can I deliver the product? Is uh, the Travis Rice ones like like uh, Fourth Phase and yeah. essentially the best snowboarding movies that have ever been made? You know the, by yeah. those Brain Farm guys and people, right? Did you did you have any interaction with those guys?
1: Yeah, we, I mean we helped them with Year for sure, and then I I'm trying to remember I actually worked on a project with Kurt Morgan who oh, really? was the the head director yeah, yeah. at Brain Farm. I think it was an Olympic spot. I can't remember. It was with Sean White. Mm-hmm. Some snowboarding. We were doing some drone stuff. This was right after we launched the movie, and you know we we're. Right after we launched a movie, kind of everybody. Well, to set some context, when we went to we launched it at NAB and we had like five prototypes. And we didn't think anyone was going to like, we were excited about it, but we didn't think people were going to care. And we ended up selling 1000s of them at NAB. And we're like, Oh, my God, we're eight people. And we don't know what we're doing. This is insane. But then also right after that, everybody from like, Kurt Morgan, JJ Abrams, everybody's like, Hey, I have to get my hands on the movie. What do I do? And so we're just like, you know, just having whiplash trying to figure out how to manufacture 1000s of these things we're also all these opportunities are coming in that you don't want to say no to like you know you're not going to say no to this stuff so we're balancing this insane just an insane and fun period of you know just crazy opportunities it's it was so fun
0: yeah you know the show here you know we've done what recorded like 600 episodes and a show that's titled in has the word innovation in the title right so i get to hear i get to hear about a lot of different things that people create but but a lot of folks have had to work a lot harder for the market to recognize how great their stuff is, you know? And from a sales perspective, I think it's genius that you go to NAB, which if people don't know is like the premier trade show for the latest and greatest, right? So, yeah. you know, you went, you went to the watering hole where the people were and and you had this novelty factor of like probably not a lot of people had heard about it before you got there. I'm guessing you did the launch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but going back to this idea of, you know, again, creating things that are genuinely different, not just better, right? So whether it's the movie, whether it's you know a high speed camera that's ten grand instead of a hundred grand, what are some of your principles for drastic innovation instead of slight improvements?
1: Yeah, I mean my my biggest shortcut for step change functions in products that I I think about it like this. I think about the fact that I likely only get to be a part of twenty more projects before my career is over, and so. I, I think of it, you know, there's, I forget the exact quote, but Warren Buffett says he thinks about his investments like that. Like he's going to pull 20 more, he's got 20 more pull tabs to pull. And I think about that from the product perspective. So I spend a lot of time thinking about like, you know, in the early days you think, well, can we build this thing? And and now we're kind of at a point where I think we can build anything we want. So we spend a lot of time thinking about like, am I going to allocate a year of my time, a year of my focus, a year of my soul to developing this product? And if we do do it, and it's successful, is the reward big enough? And I don't mean just the monetary reward. I mean, kind of, you know, will, will it, will it stack up with our previous products and make, you know, make future free flyers proud of what we've built. And so, you know, I think I just use the the trick of projecting forward in the future, and then trying to trying to really be honest about whether or not I think it's a valuable use of time. And I had, you know, I had my first uh, kid this year, a son. So that adds some, you know, there's, there's more constraints on my life than there has been in the past. And that definitely adds some clarity and some focus to your thinking as well.
0: No, I really like that thought process. You know, I've got, I've got four kids and we you know, in addition to our businesses, we run our charity child rescue, trying to combat child trafficking, which by the way, I'm grateful for people like you making new stuff because we've been able to help a lot of kids by having video equipment that we can actually afford to rent or that our production teams can afford to buy and yeah. making videos that motivate people to help take care of kids in desperate need, you know? And uh, I really credit our, our teams who have made our videos, Rex and other people that motivate people to actually donate and, and help these kids out of, get out of terrible situations. But, you know, as you, as you look at how many things are going on in the world, how much innovation is claimed versus what's actually out there, to me, like... This idea of the twenty punches is is interesting because with all of my constraints, I can get excited about a lot of things. Like I, you know, I'm like that dog off of the Pixar movie, you know, Squirrel, right? Shiny yeah. Penny Syndrome. Me right? too. Yeah. And so that idea of like, huh, would I be willing to do this? And you know, would I be willing to do this and nothing else for X amount of time that it's going to take? And just, I think the part of that equation I had never thought about is thinking about how many more of those I've, I've got, right? Yeah. You know, I think we're probably kind of a similar age, and it's you know. Warren Buffett says the same thing, you know, his, his idea of the punch cards of like, if if people were issued their punch card, they only got to make 20 investments in their whole life. They'd think a lot harder about where they toss money or not. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, Actually this, this brings up a really interesting side point going back to recruiting too. I use this, uh, I use this trick to help sharpen the focus of our teams as well. So, When we were building the Wave team, I told the team in the beginning, we're going to build the world's most innovative camera team. That's our goal. And the camera team can never get any bigger than 20 people. And so when you set that constraint in the Mm -hmm. beginning, when you start to interview people, because if you don't set that constraint, people say, oh, you know, this person... This person seems okay, and we have a lot of work to do, so I, I, we should probably get him in here, and he can, you know, he, they'll handle some of this, and they'll take it off our plate, and that's fine, but if you change it up and say there's there can only be 20, you know, then it becomes more like a professional sports team, you know, there's only 10 people on the field at once, and we want the top 10, so... It sharpens every, basically like the the thing I've learned in 10 years of growing this business is the human brain is just full, full of all types of cognitive defects. And so you have to come up with these fun games that, that correct for them.
0: Yeah. No kidding. You know, about uh, a handful of years ago, unfortunately my, my father was killed in a car accident and both my brother and I just felt like it was such a wake up call. You know, he was like in his early sixties. The only reason he'd he'd really had any fun in life is because he'd retired retired a few years early, right? Yeah, and you know, thought he had his whole retirement head, you know, and. All of a sudden, like I stopped feeling so invincible. All of a sudden it was like, Ooh, I better get busy. I better get busy living. Like I'd put off a lot of living until I was rich or richer than I had been or something, you know? Yeah. And like, same thing with business. Like I think about some goals I've got. I want to make a lot of money and pay for child rescue, right? Join Warren Buffett's giving pledge or something, you know? Yeah. And I I probably can't mess around with a lot of mediocre businesses and get that done. Yeah. Like that's like, you know? For Sure. Uh, And I'm sure that's like a cliche thing for people to hear, but, but it, I don't know, it, it really changed me. I mean, I had that
1: same experience when I had my son too. It was, uh, I knew intellectually all the things that I, you know, I knew all the, how short life was and the time was marching on and there's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I really felt it when I had him, it was like a, it was like a bit flipped in my DNA and said, you know, maybe it's just hitting that milestone or something. I don't know, but it was very much like, Hey, time is finite and you should be really thoughtful about how you spend it, you know, try and spend it in ways where you actually have leverage.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny, those different milestones, right? You, you saying that made me think of another one. Like I was pretty young when we started having kids. I was like 24 when we had our first one. Right. But she is 16 and went to prom this year. I was like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's going to move out in like three more years, two, three more years. Like, did I get in all the stuff I meant to do as a dad? Yeah. And, you know, like, do I have time to mess around with other stuff? It's like, I guess it's just made me more honest about how much time I've got. And that's, I, I think in my life, that's not something I've been super honest about. I, I was the guy who was like, oh, I got five minutes to get five minutes away. Why don't I check my email really quick? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, it, it's been a tough thing for me to like, choose discipline when that's not my preference. My preference is to do it all.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, for me also, if you pay att- if I pay attention to the last 10 years, the the value is concentrated in a, a small series of decisions that were made and the rest of the time was basically useless. And so not useless, but it was very very low value compared to the high value times, you know, like like choosing to to build the movie that unraveled into a massive business for us you know the, the, it didn't that actually that, that that actually didn't take much work it was just lucky and so you know i find especially where we're at as a business the biggest leverage comes from saying no to things rather than saying yes and just spending a lot of time thinking about you know like is this is this good enough that we're going to point the company towards it
0: yeah you know that 80 20 principle the whole idea of those those very few things, you know, the ratio is not typically 80-20. You know, in, in the finance industry, like 40 act funds. So that's like mutual funds, people like that. It's uh it's the 83. <laughs> three three percent of the firms have eighty percent of the assets under management, right? Yeah. And the other ninety-seven percent of the firms have to argue over the have to fight tooth and nail for yeah. the other twenty percent, right? Although, you know, P.S. I, we have to talk about this for one minute. The Tab first Show user manual. I love the self-awareness here. <laughs> where did where did this idea come from?
1: I I think at the core it came from me working with so many people over over a period of time that maybe didn't quite understand some aspects of you know why I behave the way I do and how I think. And so I just wanted to shortcut people that join joined the team and are new to having a good baseline understanding of, you know, the, the way I think, the way I, the way I assess the world and kind of my worldview and how I allocate time. And, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't want people to, be, I didn't want to ha- continually have situations where people were doing things that I, you know, like the, like the no morning meeting thing, you know? Every single person that joins the company wants to set up a bunch of morning meetings with you, or you can just head it off with the user manual and say, "Hey, I don't, I don't actually do this. I, I like to keep my mornings for thinking and future and playing with my son and whatever, you know." So it was just, it was trying to just give insight into my yeah. particular version of crazy at scale.
0: Yeah. So can you can you tell people some of the things off this uh, page and a half of bullet points? I'm looking at this Google Doc that you share.
1: Yeah, let me pull it up. I don't, I don't remember them. I need to revise it, actually. It's in a little bit.
0: <laughs> I love it. I feel like you making this list gives me permission to make this list.
1: You should make this list. Oh, I know another reason why I got serious about this list. Let's see. My, I proposed to my wife, and I wanted... To let her know that I was crazy, and the particular version of crazy that she was getting into in advance, and so I think that was part of me compiling this list so I could share it with her, and she could, you know, we could put into writing, you know, all the ways in which I'm insane, and she would, you know, she would have a good heads up before we got married.
0: It is funny. I actually had my business mentor slash partner of the last twenty years, and my wife interview my new the newest executive assistant i'd hired right yeah but it wasn't really to interview it was like for them to do a verbal version of this and so (laughs) to like warn them hey here's what you're getting into (laughs) working with jess but i like to like just put it in black and white here
1: well, I think it goes back to that same, it goes back to the same idea of you got, I have 20 products I, I can build. I probably only have 200 more people that I can work with in a, in a, you know, in, a, in any type of way in the rest of my career. And it, it comes back to, I really want to find people that are a good fit for me and I'm a good fit for them. And so this, I feel like putting all of this out on the table in advance, you know, helps increase the probability of success. Okay. I'll read a few yeah, what, of them. Why don't
0: you, yeah, read a few to us.
1: I highly value quiet, focused time in the morning. This is a big one I struggle with. I struggle to find the balance between dull and serious all the time and letting my personality shine through. I am laser focused. I'm also a nutcase. I believe these can coexist and even potentially strengthen my contribution to FreeFly. I can almost always find an easier way to do something. That comes from severe laziness. I would rate myself as a first degree black belt in supplier relations. Help you, happy to help if you need a karate chop for a supplier from time to time. That comes from doing all the initial sourcing in the early days of FreeFly and just having to get stuff done. I'm drawn to work with people who are infinite learners, view life as an adventure. I've put more we effort into about
0: that one. Yeah, We talked about that one for a second. Sure, I mean, it sounds pretty obvious and I think I think there's a lot of people that would like to wear that label. and then there's folks that are like, you know, like Warren Buffett's partner Charlie Munger. I was this morning I was listening to some things from the annual shareholder meeting, this, this last one. And you know, Charlie Munger is known as and recommends that all of us become continuous learning machines, right? Yeah. A multi-multi-billionaire. It works, apparently. Right. Thinking about that one, for people who want to double down on that, for people who want to do even better at that, what kind of recommendations do you have? I don't I don't know if I have
1: recommendations. This is this is just the way I am. And I'm not sure. I don't, I don't quite understand it. I was, when I, before we had my son, this was my biggest fear in life is that he wouldn't be curious in a way that some people are curious. And I don't know if that's something that we squash out of people via the educational system that exists and kind of the conformity there or if if this is a variability and, you know, it's a variable in human personality. I think a lo- what I see a lot of people struggle with is you you really, truly have to be innately curious and excited about what you're learning about. I see a lot of people that like they want to be a read like I read a lot of books I love reading, but I see people that want to be a reader and they force themselves to read like whatever somebody else said they should read. But I think it really does have to come from, I mean, as anything in life, if you want to do it, if you want to do it to the level that Charlie Munger does it, he's not doing it to be competitive with Warren Buffett. He's doing it because he's, he's curious about architecture and physics and and you know he wants to read richard dawkins and understand you know evolutionary biology and I, he he wants to understand the, the objective objective reality in the most fundamental way possible because he thinks it's going to give him an edge in investing in businesses and finding value and I, also i think those two are inspiring because they're i think their thirst for infinite learning has kept them sharp you know warren buffett's still sharp sharp as hell and he's drinking if he is truly is drinking 3 cokes a day i don't know how that's possible so
0: <laughs> yeah, there's that user or lose it part of brain, right? Yeah, neuroplasticity and myelination. You know, there's something that that you brought up that made me think. I uh, I read I, I read so many books that people started to like. I started to feel important because people would make a big deal of how many books I'd read. Right. So then it kind like it kind of became like this. You know, I got a I got a sense of feeling of importance for reading so many books, right? And and then I found myself starting to listen. I don't read any books, okay? I listen on Audible. <laughs> but I started listening to, I started trying to listen to all the important books, right? The The books that people are going to talk about. And it really lost something for me. And I feel like I got permission. Do you know who Ryan Holiday is? He wrote yeah. The Obstacles the Way, those books. Yeah. There's this post from him, I don't know, a couple, three years ago, where he said, maybe we should be less concerned about how many books we read. Instead of how many books, instead of how many times we've read the right books, and he lives that with how many times he's read Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, right? But it really gave me permission to start, to begin, to look at everything I put on my phone and go, eh, "This one's not doing it for me. I'm not going to finish it." Like yeah. just because I bought it, I don't need to finish it. Just because everybody else likes it doesn't mean I need to listen to it. And like just stay more dialed in with my curiosity, and it's it's really helped. And I have listened to way less number of books i still listen to 3 to 4 books a week typically but almost invariably like 2 of those are repeats of yeah. of the books that are the most helpful to me instead of new ones, you know? Any thoughts about all that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think curiosity is like a flywheel. And so when you encounter things that are decreasing your curiosity or your enthusiasm, I'd stop it immediately, cut it out. So I think, you know, like Naval, I can't remember the exact quote, but he had some great quotes about that too, about how he jumps around in all these books. I think uh, people get it in their mind that they have to, they have to like stick to it and finish a book. And, uh, you know, if I get bored with a book, it's out, you know, like, There's some days I'll be reading, you know, I'll be reading Dawkins and I'll think it's the most amazing thing and most insightful thing in the world. And then I pick it up another day and it's not what I need. I mean, it's the same thing with podcasts. Like sometimes sometimes, you know sometimes i want to go super deep on evolutionary biology and then other mornings i jump in the car and i click one of those on i think man this is so boring i don't i don't care about this animal get out of here i need to learn about like how this great business was built and the tough decisions that they needed to make so i think you i think the other thing is there's a at working at free there's a feedback loop that reinforces productive learning because as I learn about all this stuff in the background, I get to apply it and test it. And so it actually adds value in my life. So I think setting yourself up in a situation where the learning that you're doing can improve the quality of your life is also important because then it sets up that feedback loop where you say, Ooh, I learned this stuff. It made my life better. I learned this stuff. I made my life better. That's really, that's really powerful.
0: Yeah. No kidding. You know, one other thought that I think about is, is association, you know, you guys are in Seattle. Is that right? Yeah, just outside of Seattle. I just had this thought, like, it'd be interesting to go through the 600 episodes we've done so far and, like, have one of our interns plot where where are all these people from, you know? Yeah. Because we got such an outsized number from the Silicon Valleys and New Yorks and LAs and places like this and thinking about like, what am I doing? What am I doing to put myself in the mix of good ideas? Like what am I doing to associate in the physical environments where great ideas are spitting around? And like, I love people. I love conferences, things like that. And, but I've also like really enjoyed, we built a house out in the mountains outside of park city. And like, you know, we have moose in the backyard and I can snowmobile straight up into the national forest to do snowmobile snowboarding. Right. Yeah. And, it's It's been great. I find myself like not neglecting my family to go to too many business conferences and things, but then it got super compounded with COVID, right? Yeah. And like, this is my big outlet interviewing five people, you know, interviewing high achievers five days a week. But there's something I think I'm missing by not spending time in places like Seattle and and things like this. So post COVID, that's that's something I'm adding to my list. And any thoughts about the physical environments? Yeah, I think that's this is a this is a challenge
1: that like my business partner Dave and I have encountered too. Is it's really easy to find super interesting people and build interesting relationships with them online but you also need to have offline things where you're actually getting together physically with people and you know bouncing around ideas and that's something that we've struggled to build out as much of an ecosystem as I hope that we would build you know part of the way we're combating that we recently bought this huge property a little north of where we are and we're trying to turn it into like drone disneyland and so we're going to try and create, you know, this cool place where people can go to do fun and inspiring things. But also selfishly, it's for us to like, draw those people in and get to spend some time with them. So I mean, this is a challenge I think everyone faces a little bit is, you know, it's great to find the most interesting people in the world online. But how do you also find the most interesting people or the most, you know, co- compatible for you in in your neighborhood and that kind of thing. So definitely a problem we face too.
0: Yeah, you know, before I let you go here, I feel like I've asked the question a few different ways and I, I want to see if there's any nuggets I've missed, but going back to this idea of, no, we are really going to do something that is a serious step change. It's not a slight improvement. We are going to be create drastic innovation, right? I mean, one of the, my favorite things you've said today is this idea of just deciding like, Hey, I told the team, you know, here's what the front of the puzzle box front of the puzzle box looks like we are going to have the most innovative team of our kind in existence. Even if you don't hit that, like just trying for that is yeah. got to be a huge upgrade. Any any other just like, you know, the real like the soapbox things. You want to go, you know, not 10% better, you want to go 10 times better than everybody else, you know. Here's what Tab would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, my goal at the company level is to be the most innovative company per person that exists. And, you know, uh, we'd have to duke it out with a bunch of companies to figure it out, but we're so damn small. You know, we're say we're 60 people right now. And so our innovation per person is off the charts. But I would say, what I would say to how, how we achieve that, I would say we flip the whole process. And so what I do, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about the products that we should build. But then what I do is I actually write... We, you know, we create all our own launch films and shoot and direct them, everything in house. So what I do when I consider doing a product is I actually write the launch film for that product. I write the script for it and the voiceover that would go along with it. And we spend a lot of time with that film and we, you know, trying to project forward in the future. Let's imagine that we've built this product that powers this launch film. Are we excited enough about it to say, yeah, this is an amazing future to create or no, this isn't quite amazing enough. We should back off. So I'd say we, you know, it's just the classic Charlie Munger thing of invert, invert every problem. If you invert every problem, you'll see it and you'll see it with more clarity.
0: I love that. You know, I, you hear versions of that in different ways, but I've never heard somebody think I've, I've never heard it expressed as think about the launch video.
1: Yeah, well, that, we started me, out
0: very visceral. We started out doing the product brochure.
1: So we started out doing the product brochure and then I started writing this document, why I love blah, 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 why I love whatever product. But both of these were really just clarifying documents to help you get to the launch film. Because if you do a great launch film, you're basically distilling down the most amazing three minutes of the product that you're gonna get in front of everyone that you could get. And so it it can't get any more concentrated or more leverage than that three minutes. And so if you can't write a three minute story that you're gonna be insanely proud of, then you definitely can't build a product that's gonna that's gonna do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. Anything else you wanna leave us with today?
1: I think we need more people building companies for the long term. I think we're we're in a period where people are, you know, companies are a lot oftentimes like a get rich quick scheme and we should be more focused on the long term. People should be building sustainable businesses that improve the quality of life of their customers, their employees themselves. I just think we're, we're being short-sighted right now.
0: You know, it is interesting to me because at our commercial real estate fund, like we're doing this 506c raise which means i can advertise it to anybody but i can only take money from accredited investors yeah right now right time of this recording so i get to talk to a lot of people who made a ton of money right and now they they're like they they got the dream they had the big they had the big exit but now they have to learn a whole new sport of what to do with the cash you know they spent so long learning how to build the kind of company that could sell for a lot now they've got this whole new sport of like How to not lose it plus live off of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and like, listen, it's it's great for me that everybody thinks about selling their companies all the time because then they're like, uh, I don't want to be a landlord. (laughs) Like, you know, though like bonds don't pay anything. Being a landlord's annoying. Hold on, you guys will take care of that. And because your economies of sale probably actually make the same or possibly more money, but not have but have zero headaches. Like, this is a great business for me. But I do think all the time, like, hey, why didn't you just turn that into like a self-managing business and like keep the ATM machine forever? Like yeah. another reason those other guys bought you, like, isn't that actually a good reason to keep the company? Like, I get it. You don't, you don't need to grind 80 hour weeks anymore, but like hire yourself a CEO, build a team, build a board. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you sold the company and are now going to give me <laughs> some of the cash and I can, I can pay for your next, you know, I can finance your next adventure out of my quarterly checks. But I do think to myself a lot of like, you know, you listen, I'm glad that you're a Warren and Charlie fan, but you listen to Warren and Charlie talk about like, you know, we don't just, we don't just sell a company because it's worth extra right now. Like we're interested in the long-term, we're interested in long-term compound interest, keeping something right. Yeah, And I try to do that for people by letting them reinvest their quarterly earnings in a drip campaign if they want, whatever. But like, I gotta tell you, I think there's legitimately people who would have been better just keeping the company. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we had we've had a
1: bunch of people try and acquire us at you know outrageous sums of money, and we passed on all of them because at the end of the day, you know, all we would do is go try and do this all over again with a little bit more money in the war chest, but we'd be set back, you know, five ten years to find all this. And, you know, it it takes time to build the team and the process and all that stuff. So, yeah, it seems. Yeah, I'm I'm very much like I want to build build long term.
0: Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. We're trying to buy buildings and hold them forever. Right. If somebody gives me an absurd price, we will let a building go and reinvest it into some other undervalued building elsewhere. Yeah. That's not like the, that's not like the mindset of it. The mindset is like, how can we, how can we build stuff that pays for the long term, and you have your time back to, to move to your next adventure, like to add on top.
1: Yeah. For sure.
0: Love it. Well, listen, I hope everybody goes and checks out freeflysystems.com. Ted, thanks for doing this. I'd love to. Thanks.